This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Pain is a natural function and a useful one to keep our body safe and functional. Pain is always possible. However, suffering is optional. Suffering, in a way, is like experiencing the pain twice. Pain can be mental torment or emotional overload just as much as physical pain. There is always an answer to your personal trauma. There is always help. Always someone who cares. Each and every person is important and valuable in this world. Humanity needs everyone to make the interchange towards peace, love, and kindness. We need everyone to find a way to step through the pain and discomfort and learn to simply be ourselves. We all have skills and talents that are useful to others, useful to bringing humanity together to work as one. We are not meant to go through this life alone. We are most effective when we join together and work as a team. Whether that is two people or a whole bunch, connecting and sharing. Valeria interviews Mira Ishaya, the author of Peace or Pain, Discovering the Unbroken You and Changing Your Relationship with Pain. Mira is an Ishaya monk who teaches and uses a meditation type practice called Ascension. Her legal name is Sally Page, and she originally graduated as a graphic designer in 1993. Illness, mobility issues, and chronic pain led her to go on a search, initially for a cure, which then turned into a spiritual quest. Mira hit rock bottom in 2005 and no longer wished to live with the extreme pain and mobility restrictions. In choosing not to live, a miracle happened, and she had a transcendent experience that forever changed her outlook on life. With renewed determination and newfound hope, Mira read book after book and explored a variety of therapies and workshops. In this search, she came across the ancient teaching of the Bright Path Ishayas and finally felt at home. This teaching was just the beginning of a beautiful journey of self-discovery and culminated in Mira becoming an Ishaya monk and teacher of the Ascension Techniques. A big part of Mira's journey has been overcoming the long-term chronic pain and other health issues. The focus went from trying to find a cure to curiosity about the inner stillness within us all. This shift led to a new discovery by prioritizing exploring stillness, healing happened by itself. Meet Mira at boundless-meditation.co.uk. Here's the interview with Mira Ishaya. In your own words, who is Mira Ishaya? Mira Ishaya is 
who I am rather than just a label. It represents um, the inner essence of who I am in this lifetime. And for me, it's been a really beautiful gift to be given the name. And it's more a recognition of me rather than somebody deciding on the name. I can tell you what it means, actually. It has several meanings. It's uh, from the language Sanskrit. And it means the mystical singer, the poet goddess, the boundless goddess, she who is in constant praise to Krishna. Krishna means the totality of everything and also one of the witnessing three. And when I was given the name, I felt like I'd just come home to myself, like I could be myself and I didn't have to pretend anymore. I could take the mask off and just rest. And it seems like this, this is what all of us want to do, really, deep inside or or coming from that place of inner truth, all of us want to get there, just rest and be ourselves. Do you wonder why so many of us human beings don't get to this level or to this point? Yeah, I used to wonder why. I'm a little bit more clear on that now. We've learned so many beliefs about ourselves and the world from a very, very young age, and that governs the way we see everything. So every belief that we've taken on board, you know, Typically, by the age of, of seven years old, we've taken on most of them and they become filters of the mind. And so we see everything through these filters and it obscures experience of the truth. And we make life very hard for ourselves, really. But it's just a, a bunch of programs, really just a bunch of thoughts running in the unconscious mind, in my experience, that prevent us from being able to be ourselves. So we, we align with these thoughts. We believe they're who we are. and this makes life difficult because it's not who we are behind all of those when the mind is still you know there's a true essence that is free and at peace and and it's been a blessing in my life to be able to connect with that and live my life from there so it takes a lot of healing work right Mira to get there and the willingness to do the work because you have seen some human beings who are not ready or they don't want to go through the process of healing, which is uh, it's sad. It's really sad to see that, but there's nothing we can do. I see some of my family members who try to avoid as much as they can. Conversations with me, for example, they don't even like that. So, and I often wonder why, like life itself, <laughs> in a sense, consciousness in a way, give some of us the opportunity to grow and to be in touch with our essence or to recognize itself and other people will never get there. Yeah, I used to find it really difficult that the people around me weren't interested in spirituality, weren't wanting to change, you know, like I've from a very young child believed that there's got to be more to life, you know, than I was currently experiencing, which pushed me to keep going until I pretty much broke. But I picked that back up again when I found the practice of ascension and it gave me the tools to be able to direct where my attention was. And so it started to clear everything out and that actually has a ripple effect out into everyone around me. And so I've seen changes in my mum, for example, you know, when she doesn't use the practice and isn't really interested in anything or even talking to me about things like that. Yeah, I see the changes in her just from my own practice. And, and so... It's given me faith, actually, that it's an inside-out job. And the more I focus on my own experience rather than those around me, you know, the more beauty, the more gentleness and the more open my relationships have become with, with everyone around me. 
I would love to hear a little bit more about that for those who are in very difficult situations with difficult people around them, making a lot of noise, causing emotional distress on others, making noise, even physical noise. I noticed how that can affect us too. From your perspective and what you do as in a Shia monk, how do you teach people or your clients to ascend to go from that place of emotional pain, I'm speaking of physical now, I'll, I'll get there in a moment, to peace. Well, yeah, you know, um, emotional pain is a very big part of it. And actually, even with the physical pain I experienced, the emotional pain was probably worse in a way. And, and for me, the only thing you can change is the way you respond in life. You know, you can't change what's going on around you. You can't change other people. Um, but in my experience with using the ascension techniques and exploring my inner world of stillness and silence, I changed. And then it appeared that everyone had changed around me. You know, when, when you come to a, a greater sense of calm within your own self and you start to become more confident in who you are and, and stop second guessing yourself, you just become a little bit more natural, I think. And I've always considered myself authentic. You know, I've always kind of, you know, worn my heart on my sleeve and, and not edited. You know, I've never been able to fit in with life, if you like. But I just discovered along the way that I didn't need to pretend anymore. I didn't need to control anyone else, mm. regardless of how other people act around me. And I've had quite a lot of dysfunction in my um, in my immediate uh, world that as I changed, so it's like you start becoming untouchable, you know, like the experience no longer touches you because you stop resisting it and you don't need it to change. You don't need them to agree with you. You're so confident in your own self. I stopped doubting myself. And so I just naturally became more fascinated and curious, actually, with how people were. And, and so I could actually start to ask questions of them when people reacted to me, you know, taking what I'd, what I'd said in a certain way, often like the opposite of how I intended it. You know, it was intended with love and kindness and, and sometimes it was taken completely differently. And, and so as I became more calm in myself, I started to be able to ask questions, you know, like, what are you hearing when I say that, for example? You know, so that you can start to really get to the underlying, you know, reasons that motivate us. For example, sometimes people hear criticism when there isn't any. And, and when you ask questions, then you start to get a really more pure authentic interaction and and sometimes you can say some really you know would appear to be hurtful things but it's based on for me it's always important to sort of talk about how I am how I feel rather than you know you've done this to me pointing the finger of blame is always you know three are pointing back at us so it, it never serves in my experience and yeah you just get more compassion for other people and the irritation and the resistance to what people are saying fell away so I just started seeing their pain rather than their rudeness and so it stopped having an impact on my experience. So seeing the pain in people when they act the way they do instead of um, seeing something else, seeing ourselves getting upset about the situation, it's almost like a shifting attention isn't it? It seems like a shift in perspective but also sounds like um, what they call a spiritual awakening would you say it's one and the same, being able to stabilize yourself, your emotions, your reactions, 
and rising above the situation and in a way becoming the situation. So it's best for everyone. Am I close enough (laughs) to what you do? Because it sounds very spiritual to me. Enlightenment, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the enlightened state of being is very natural. You know, it's it's not this out there thing that is out of uh, out of attainment. Everyone can be enlightened. In fact, in truth, we're already enlightened. It's just we're not consciously aware of it because we're so focused on the thoughts flowing through our mind. We're so identified with them that we can't see beyond the thought created reality that is then projected on the world around us. So once that starts being stripped away through a, an effective meditation practice and you start to see everything really clearly and, and much more purely and, and then you stop editing too. You know, like I've said things to people that I thought was really ruthless and harsh. And yet, because it was so authentic and pure and unedited and in the moment I felt to say it rather than, you know, pushing it down and then saying it hours later. So the pressure builds up. You know, if you say it in the moment it arises, you know, it's received really well, actually. I, that's That's been one of the things that's surprised me the most, that I can say what is there to say. I can speak my truth and, and not be shot down. Because it's just received in a completely different way when you don't try to sugarcoat it, when you don't try to manage the other person's emotions and you just deliver it how it is there to be said right now. The illusion, it's coming from thoughts, right, Mira? It's coming from a place of misunderstanding of what life is. Yeah, that's my experience. And as you train your attention onto the still silent part, you then start to see the thoughts more clearly and and stop seeing them as the bad guys, actually, because I think sometimes we approach the ego as, you know, something to destroy. And and, and really, it's just a collection of thoughts. It's just an idea or opinion we have of ourselves. And as we start to see it for what it really is, the hold that it appears to have over us falls away. And it's really just actually about where we put our attention. So we get more able to train our attention onto the still silent backdrop. And then our relationship with thoughts completely changes. So we see it as a thought. We're no longer identified with it. So it has no charge, has no control over us whatsoever. And and that's freedom in, in my experience. So you wrote the book, Peace or Pain, Discovering the Unbroken You and Changing Your Relationship with Pain. So talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book. Well, for me, writing the book just stemmed from my own experience and discoveries as I started to change my relationship with pain, with my body, with thoughts, with emotion. I started to have a completely different experience of all of these things. So I I didn't get so lost in the pain. I didn't get so lost in the emotion. And I stopped battling with my thoughts. So I had an entirely different experience, which started to become much more gentle and easy. Uh, and so initially, I my relationship with pain that I had as a long-term chronic pain from a pelvic condition I had from the birth of my second child, and he's 18, nearly 19 now, that pain was, you know, it was so mind-numbing, you know, it, it, it was just so continuous and so intense. It was soul-destroying. And as I gradually came out of this stuck state of being, the body sensations started to be very different, you know. So often what we call pain is suffering. It's a secondary experience. It's a reaction to what's happening. There's there's a dialogue going on telling us about how we experience our body. And when we're identified with that, we experience our body through 
that label and that story, if you like. And the same happens with, you know, emotional pain or mental and torment. You know, we we have a distorted experience because there's resistance in there we, that we haven't seen. You know, when we're thinking, we that's actually equivalent to resistance. And we're so well trained at resisting. So typically when we notice something, it's already been distorted by resistance for quite some time. And and so then we resist the distortion further and then it intensifies. And so I got to recognize this as a direct experience, um, how that worked in my own experience of pain. Um, And then I had the same, well, it was a different experience, but I had then an acute pain of broken ribs. And I explored further and I actually went from, you know, a whole world of pain and suffering and really uh, limited movement to starting to have everything become more gentle. You know, I could just watch and allow the sensation to be there. And then the pain fell away, the suffering fell away. And I could still feel the site where the ribs were broken, but it was just a physical sensation and it was pure. It was it was untainted by any thought or idea about it. And so it was experienced as, you know, neither hot nor cold, neither good nor bad. And and when I slipped into that experience of complete acceptance and allowing, I could then reach and, you know, get my drink without feeling winded or that stabbing pain that would happen when I tried to move when I was in the resistance state of pain and suffering. Even if we can heal, some people don't heal from some physical problems that they have had, that they have so it is possible to live with those uncomfortable sensations, right, Mira? Uh, yeah, well, for me, like I still have the long-term chronic condition I have, which is called synthesis pubis dysfunction. And um, I still have that. There's still times when I'm limited in what I can do mobility-wise, but I don't experience any physical pain. There are times when I get little aches and there are times when I have to be careful with what I do, but there's no suffering in the experience because I've just developed a state of acceptance and allowing. And, you know, there's still times when resistance creeps in and I feel something intensify and then I just watch it. It's actually a really simple and easy thing to do. You you just simply watch where you're feeling the physical sensation. And typically, you know, often when I'm working with people, they'll say, you know, well, it's the whole body. And then when I get them to just watch and I just say, well, but where's the central or the focal point? of the pain is is there one and then they have to pay attention in order to discover if there is one or not and in the paying attention it's almost like the pain shrinks and they go oh yeah actually it's just in my stomach or it's just in my knee or you know and then I just you know guide them to continue watching and then in the watching you start to then have that pure clear experience just of the body and and sometimes the pain vanishes sometimes it moves sometimes it eases sometimes it intensifies and then I just work with them to see where their attention is so that they can actually change their relationship with it and, and start to open up to a different experience. Would you also suggest that we pay attention to those sensations in the body that are uncomfortable, to the physical body called pain, to uncover some, let's say, serious illnesses? Because I have heard before that pain at that level in the body, it's a, a sign of something that's happening. It could be anything. So how do we balance that, like this acceptance of the physical sensation and at the same time without the mental construct, the mental ideas, the thoughts getting involved 
and kind of having the also the wisdom or the clarity to know when to look for help. Well, in my experience, I would always, you know, get something checked out medically um, because there might be a solution in that. Um, a lot of the people I work with have already done that. And then either the doctors haven't found anything or they have found something, but there's not so much that they can do about it or the medication creates other problems, you know. And, you know, I'm, what I'm, I'm not helping people cure themselves. I'm, I'm helping people change their relationship with it. So even if you have a condition that you're going to have for the rest of your life, you can still have a different experience of it. And it's actually very, very simple. And people are often quite surprised at how quickly you can change your relationship with it and, and go from suffering into complete acceptance. It's not something you can do mentally, you see. And, and often we refer to the mind and we try to do something from the mind. And this is actually coming back into just witnessing, just observing and getting really curious. Because it, when you start getting curious, you let go. And in the letting go, then the experience of your body um, can change. And this is true of emotional pain, too. You know, and emotional pain, it's actually the same mechanism, because how do we know we're feeling an emotion? Actually, we feel a physical sensation in the body and the physical sensation, the feeling that we have, that's pure. And that, that's something that we will all have. Emotion is really a story wrapped around the physical sensation. Mm. so it's always that the mind is getting involved in both situations and then um telling us how we're experiencing it and because we're identified with it we're just you know having that direct experience depending on what the mind um you know has decided is the case that's why meditation is really important isn't it yeah so it's it's a meditation type practice you know a lot of meditations they keep your um your attention on content so on the breath or, you know, on, on the mantra or whatever it is, whereas the ascension techniques are, are like a mantra, but they take your attention directly to stillness and silence mechanically, whether you believe they will or not. So it's like going to gym for the mind. And as you, you use the technique and then you just watch and then you use the technique, you retrain your attention onto stillness and silence. And, you know, stillness and silence, it's just it's who we are. But we're so used to putting our attention on the content of thought, of emotion, of body sensations, other people, all the stuff in the world. Yeah. And we have kind of like 99% of our attention on that and like just 1% attention on stillness and silence because it's, it's it's always there. But there's so much noise in the world, isn't there? So much things that grab our attention. So we're so used, we're so trained to putting our attention on that. And so we're just redirecting our attention onto the still silent context to all the content. Yeah, you just rinse and repeat. And so you grow your awareness muscle, if you like. And then very naturally, you start to find it easier to be able to watch the body, to change your relationship with everything. And and the techniques do the work for you. So you actually, you just start getting used to doing less and less and less until you stop trying, you stop straining, you stop controlling naturally because your attention is redirected onto this full, complete experience that needs nothing Mm. to improve it. Wow, I love to hear that too, because it resonates true. The experience is already complete, right? This experience in this moment now. So whatever it is happening, it's a complete experience. There's nothing to be added, nothing to be removed, nothing to do about it, really. I love that, Mira. What a beautiful message. A lot of our trauma and this search for something else to happen or to become something else in the future has everything to do with this mental construct 
that we have not had, or that we have had incomplete experiences. And because they felt incomplete, then something within us trying, keeps trying to complete that experience. And then we live in a loop, in a sort of a cycle of suffering, as you uh, described earlier. What is the best way to contact you if somebody is um, interested in working with the Ascension techniques? Do you offer sessions online, offline, groups? Yeah, so the Ascension techniques are um, a very ancient teaching and they're always taught in person. If somebody wanted to learn, then we, we have a global network of teachers. I would just redirect them to their nearest teacher. But I'm also doing a, a course soon actually online called Peace or Pain that's based on my book through the same organization that teaches the Ascension Techniques. They've created a, an academy to help people because even with the Ascension Techniques, still certain things and certain areas of our lives are tricky and pain is one of them. So I'm going to be doing this online course in August um, of 10 sessions so I can kind of walk the people through step by step so they can actually start to understand the whole mechanism of pain a little bit more clearly and then I have lots of you know tips and exercises some guided so that I can bring people to the direct experience of it and then they gain the insight and and work with me and then put that into practice in their everyday lives and previous people who have attended this course have you know even one lady was 93 years old and just kind of decided that was it she was old her body was old she was just had to this pain and, you know, instantaneously her experience changed and the, the pain eased and, you know, it didn't go completely for her, but it, it went to the point where it was, you know, not really disturbing her, her peace at all. And, um, yeah, I'm surprised again and again how immediate it can be. And then it's really just connecting the dots, if you like, so that you can sustain that experience and, and retrain your attention so that you stay in a more rested, accepting state of being. Which is very natural, again, like we're not adding anything to ourselves. We're just coming back to our natural state of being. It's just it's a very strong habit to follow thought, to identify the thought. And so we just have to retrain that habit. And, and it's very easy to do that once you see. And you, every part of what I do in the Ascension practice does is, is works with your mind and body. You know, there's no forcing, there's no controlling. We're just coming back to the truth, back to our natural state. And, and that requires absolutely no effort because it's natural. That makes me think about nature itself when we see trees and flowers and everything in nature. They're so, it's so effortless and it really comes across as peaceful. It's everything develops and I mean beautifully in the most amazing and intelligent way and without any effort. That's where we see, I mean I can see clearly the um, this innate, natural, as you call it, ability of just be, to flourish, just to be life itself, isn't it? That's what it, it comes to me as a message over and over and over again. We are strongly identified with thoughts. It's almost like obsessed with it, that we have lost the way to becoming natural, which is connected to peace, as you keep saying. It's such a, a beautiful and true message. Thank you so much, Mira, for being the messenger and the message. You're welcome. It seems like hearing from others, it reminds us of going back to that place 
natural place of rest, of peace. There's something about a transmission of that. The more I talk to people here on the podcast, the more I'm in touch with other people in person who I read, the more it becomes very clear to me that this is really what it is. But then there is that tendency again to be identified with thoughts and and kind of um, experience that too. For me, it has become almost like an acceptance of it all. Instead of trying to fight not to be identified with thoughts, I rest in that too. And I let the mind, whatever it's doing now, just do what it does. And I find it to be fascinating. I actually say, oh, interesting, how this thinking is happening right now. (laughs) All this thinking. (laughs) How fascinating that we have that ability to be identified with thoughts. So that's another, almost like, um, it's a different kind of relationship, I guess, with life. It's very open, extremely open to everything, anything that happens in the moment. I think that's a really good approach to have. You know, for, for me, it's gaining an alertness so that you see the thoughts, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> no longer being them, no longer identified. So really, it's just raising your conscious awareness so that you recognize. And in the recognition, actually, everything that doesn't serve falls away. It's so effortless, you know? have to put your thoughts away. Simply recognize a thought as a thought and you're free. Your book has four parts. So the first one is your journey from pain to peace. And then you have the second part, understanding pain. And then the third is changing your relationship with pain. And then the fourth one, it's how to make the choice, which you just spoke of. There is another question I was curious about. This state of Peacefulness. Um, have you learned to, or have you found a way to distinguish between being peaceful and feeling relaxed, or they are one and the same? Well, I mean, for me, it's yeah. I think the minute we relax and trying to do anything, you know, like it's if we go on holiday and we go go to a beach, for example, we sit down on the beach and we just stop and we just look out. And in that moment, there's just peace because we we're, we stop thinking and we're just paying attention to our surroundings. So we're present and we just relax. You know, for, for me, when I, I first learned the ascension techniques, an awful lot of it was just noticing my body relax. My breathing slowed, my heart rate slowed and, you know, my, my neck sort of became a little bit more less tense and my shoulders popped. And, you know, just by using the techniques, I didn't have to do anything to try and relax and so for me yeah the present state is is a very relaxed state i think anytime we do that when we allow ourselves to relax fully then when we're present we're here your name is mira ishaya but it used to be legally is sally page how did this change happen this change happened um as I said before, I was given the name when when I went on a course, which was called the Mastery of the Self. Um, and part of that course was the teacher training to be able to teach the Ascension techniques. So as part of that course, my teacher, I have a spiritual teacher, gave me the name Mira. And so obviously in my everyday life, I still use Sally Page. It's my legal name. You know, my bank knows me as that. Uh, my mom still calls, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> calls yeah. me that. But when I'm teaching the meditation and I'm so immersed in that world now that pretty much everyone is calling me Mira. So, yeah, I I mostly use that now. But, you know, there are still occasions when Sally Page is the name I use. And for me, one doesn't replace the other. You know, as I said before, Mira Ishaya is simply who I am rather than another label. 
And, and so by being given the name, for me, it felt like I came home and I was just allowed to be myself. And so then that's a, a tool, if you like, to be my most authentic self so that I can deliver the teaching of Ascension without my ego getting involved. Mm, yeah. So we also wear colours as well for the same reason. And at the moment, I'm wearing the colour black. We have three colours, black, white or red. I used to wear, wear white and white represented purity and joy. Black is ruthless compassion. And then we also have red, which is unconditional love. Mm. You know, I used to be in my everyday life and then I'd have a course, I'd put my colours on and then it's just, I it's full, you know, it, it's, it's centred and grounded me and reminded me of what was important. There's something else that caught my attention in the um, outline of your book. It was, yeah, towards the end, I think it's the very end, you have the uh, suicide watch that caught my attention too because you talk about a friend of yours, a story there. Yeah, talk to me for a moment about uh, about suicide and those thoughts that some of us have. I have had them before, about almost 10 years ago, I would say. How can we shift when those thoughts come to visit? If we're identified with thought, then they drive actions. And we believe things are a certain way and we start to follow that. In my own experience, not wanting to live anymore, it was because the pain was so extreme and I could barely move. So there just seemed no point in living anymore. I just wanted the pain to stop essentially. I didn't necessarily want to, want to die. I just wanted the pain to end. Yeah. You know, I could barely move and I, I dragged myself into my kitchen and I, and I got a knife out of the drawer and I sat down and I put it to my wrist. And at that moment, my husband found me and obviously came and tried to tell me talk, taught me to put the knife down and I just remember looking at my arm looking at the knife against my wrist and I just stopped and I was just like I, I you know froze almost and I just didn't want to be there and whatever he said I just wasn't interested it's was just that you have no idea how much pain am I in I just you know he couldn't reach me basically and then he was actually holding my um or our son he was, I don't know how old he was, about 18 months old, maybe, something like that. And then he just made this tiny little, very quiet noise, my son. It was so quiet, but it just got my attention. And I just remember looking at him and looking into his eyes. And it's just like the entire universe was in his eyes. And I just got completely drawn into the experience. And it just felt like endless peace. It was just a sea of peace. And it was such a profound experience. All of my attention was there. And, you know, there was absolutely no pain in that moment. I didn't even think about pain. It was just peaceful. And it happened so spontaneously from, you know, a moment previously where I was, you know, not even wanting to live. And my husband saw the change in me. So he took the knife off me while I was just completely resting in peace. And that taster, you know, to be able to have that profound an experience in the middle of all the pain kind of gave me hope. You know, it gave me renewed enthusiasm and the willingness to look again to see what else was possible. And because I had the direct experience of it, you know, it kind of was the foundation for me. And then my search just uh, became completely different. It's like I found all the things that I needed to and went step by step through, you know, a variety of workshops and therapies and books. And it all just seemed to lead me to the bright path of shires and. And then when I found them, I, I stopped looking because the technique was so simple and so effective. There are other things that you can still do. But for me, the practice is the foundation that allows me to choose where I put my attention, 
allows me to accept, allows me to experience peace now. If you need to wear a support belt, in my case, or my asthma medication or whatever it is you need to do, you can still do all of that. You look after your body however it needs to be looked after. But um, yeah, for me and, and my friend too, who I didn't even know was suicidal, she, had, she actually chose one day that she was going to end her life. And I spontaneously picked the phone up and I just read an article about people who jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. And I was fascinated by the article because there was a percentage of people who survived the fall. And every single one of them that survived said that the minute they let go, they, they wanted to live. They chose to live. And I kind of remember saying to her, like, but do you think they lived because, you know, they chose to live? Or do you think everybody does? And just that, the, you know, the few people were lucky enough and survived. And just in sharing that with her, you know, can you imagine that? You're about to end your life and this person calls up and talks to you about suicide so full on. But, you know, my friend always says to me, actually, that me being so authentic and honest and just saying it how it is, is what helps her, you know, because you get to the point where you've had enough, you don't want the games, you don't want the pretense, you don't want, you know, try to a certain way, you just want authenticity and truth. Um, so that for her was what made the biggest difference. And I think that's all we need to do with, with each other is to reach out, share, just share how we are right now without ed editing. Without editing. I love that too. <laughs> It's incredible to hear that kind of experience. I had it too, but was not as intense as you describe your own experience and your friend's experience and all the experience of those people who, who have tried to end their experience in the human body. In your book, you mentioned the three components to happiness, community, service, and growth. It makes so much sense to me that we can only do this together, which is living this experience that we call life together in a sense of being open to one another, no judgment or much less judgment and just more open, hard kind of acceptance of everything. So that really, really resonates true to me. Thank you so much for sharing all that you share, for what you do, and this beautiful intention and desire to help others, which is very natural <laughs> from my perspective. So thank you so much for being you, Mira. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this question, the ending questions. What do you love most about being in the human body or being the human body? Being able to experience everything. And for me, that's where presence comes in, you know, to be able to be present. So you actually get to have the human experience that we're meant to have. I feel very honored to have this body, to have this lifetime um, and to be able to go beyond the, the suffering and to be able to experience peace and, and then to be able to share that with others. You know, it's, it's an absolute honor. Uh, and I love this journey we've called life. And I, I just want everyone to know that it can be easy, it can be simple, and we don't need to suffer. Suffering is optional. I know it doesn't always appear that way. And I know from my own experience, when I was very stuck in it, it didn't appear that way at all. But I know from experience that suffering isn't necessary and there is another way. Um, yeah, I just want to help show people <laughs> the other way so <laughs> that they too experience peace and change their relationship with pain, whether it's, you know, physical, mental or emotional. Again, I really appreciate putting your energy into it. It takes energy, but it's, it flows, right, Mira? It's a flowing of that kind of energy, the natural energy. It's truly beautiful. 
Yeah, it's like I can't hold it in anymore. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> so that's now, it. I've always <laughs> wanted to help people. Yeah. But I was always kind of like treading water and barely able to look after myself. So you have got to look after yourself first. And then for me, it just naturally flows out into the world. You just, you can't help yourself really. You just yeah. want to serve and, and connect. Right. So in a way, it's not a choice anymore. It becomes almost <laughs> life itself doing what it does, right? <laughs> Just yeah. flowing the way yeah, it does. Yeah, strangely, because for me, choice is very important. But And it's, it's not like the choice has been taken away from me. Rather, it's such a delight that why would I stop that natural force of love coming through? <laughs> mm, yeah, I can hear in your voice too, which is um, yeah, divine to me. So my last question is, what is another word for life? is another word for life yeah love unconditional love you know it's it's to just allow love to flow fully, through us fully in this moment because that's what wants to happen and, and and really suffering comes from stopping that flow from happening and we don't realize that's what we're doing uh, you know when I started to recognize that that's why I laugh a lot actually because it's so simple and it's so easy to just let that happen but because we're having a distorted experience we don't recognize that so I love the way you say that too, yeah. The flow of love, that's what is um, life is all about. And yeah, we tend to stop it. And then suffering is coming from that. So true. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yeah, so if anybody wants to get in contact with me, then they can um, just email me at mira.ishaya at gmail.com. It's probably my best email at the moment. Uh, then, yeah, I can share the links um, for my book on Amazon and the course I'm doing with the Bright Path Academy, uh, Peace or Pain. So if people want to explore that and change their relationship with their yeah, emotions, with their thoughts, with their physical pain, um, then that's something that people can join right now. <laughs> Wonderful. You do have a website too, right, Mira? There's I do, a website. Yeah. yeah, that's um, boundless-meditation.co.uk. Right. Yeah, I'll have that. And I'll, I'll have the link of your book and also the link for the course and your email. I'll have all that on your podcast profile when the episode is released in live. Thank you again for your presence and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Mira. Thank you. And I want to thank you too, Valeria, for yours. You're an amazing lady and I'm, I'm really honored and grateful to be on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. The body appreciates Mira. It's the only part that complains. <laughs> Bye for now, my dear. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Mira Ishaya and her work, please visit boundless-meditation.co.uk. You can also contact Mira at mira.ishaya at gmail.com. To join the Bright Path Academy online course, please visit thebrightpathonline.com backslash mira-mc. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>